your thoughts on the Warriors, you know, back here again, six times in eight years. Your internet went out again, didn't it? You gotta be kidding me. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another edition of There's a Lot Going On, the only podcast that tried to get into the Champions League final with a fake ticket. I'm David Arroyo, joined, as always, by my pal, Tom Shively. Tom, this is the third time doing this intro. I'm not going to make it as long and lengthy as the last two. It's Memorial Day. I worked. You didn't. Tell us about your day. How you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, barbecue, biker bar type place, had wings and mac and cheese. Um, Mac and cheese, too much honey, not enough Old Bay in the flavor. But Biker Bar, overall, the vibes were good. So I'll leave it at that. Is that a good summary there? We like that? Back to the Biker Bar. and that per- Perfect summary. I mean, I only caught half of it because your internet is struggling right now. But uh, we, 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 caught, we caught what I could. Tom, the Boston Celtics are back in the NBA Finals. They will face off against the Golden State Warriors. We'll get into that series preview here in a second. But to get there, of course, we knew the Warriors were going to be there last week when they were up 3-0 on the Dallas Mavericks. Boston Celtics had to fight their way to get here, winning Game 7 at home on the road, excuse me, 100-96. to uh, They had to win... They had to, I'm trying to think. For some reason, I'm not remembering the series. Well, I'm thinking of their last series. Tom, let's forget all that. I'm all over the place because of all these internet issues. I would like your instant, well, I guess not instant. It's been about a day. Your reaction to the Boston Celtics going back to the NBA Finals for the first time since 2010. So uh, there have been a few close calls, right? They had been to the conference finals four times in that period uh three of those they lost to lebron james and the fourth they lost to the miami heat um so uh they had game six at home they had game six at home in 2012 lebron had a 45 piece and 15 rebounds and then miami won game seven this year very similar feeling they had a chance to clinch it at home game six jimmy butler drops 47 and uh i i was be lying if i said i didn't have 2012 flashbacks it it hurt to see that happen in Game 6, but Jimmy Butler, with all due respect, not LeBron James. I think the Celtics kind of elevated themselves in this series. I think played better for longer stretches of this series. It was very, very streaky. There weren't a lot of close games. There were like maybe two of the games were close, but Celtics, I think, were the better team coming in, and the Heat rely a little too much on those role players that haven't done much in the playoffs, and the Celtics... Like I just mentioned, this core has been to three Eastern Conference Finals, and they've come up short every single time. And to finally see them break through, it's a rewarding feeling because these guys, you know, the Celtics drafted all of them. They were top 10 picks. And to see them kind of develop and put it all together and make it to the finals has been really cool. And uh, I, I certainly didn't expect that coming into this season when they were under 500 in January, but it's a lot of a lot of things came together. They started playing defense really well, and it's just been it's been fun to watch. I'm enjoying the ride. Let, let me let me eulogize. I don't know if that's the right word. The Miami Heat, real quick, before I talk about the Boston Celtics, because it's not even really a Miami Heat thing. It's more a Jimmy Butler thing. I remember you and I did this this podcast after the twenty twenty NBA Finals, and we ranked our top ten players in the NBA. And I believe you and I both had Jimmy Butler on our top ten list, and. He subsequently, because of, you know, 
poor regular seasons, a really bad showing last postseason. He had kind of fallen off of everybody's radar. Nobody was talking about Jimmy Butler. He wasn't really seen as a superstar, could carry your team to the finals anymore. And then here he was, game seven. He missed the, the shot with 11 seconds to go that would have essentially won them, the potentially won them the game and sent them to the NBA finals again. And now we're all talking about Jimmy Butler again as, you know, top 10 player in the league. And I totally like understand why, because he, he's the weirdest player of that I can remember in my lifetime, where he's basically like a pretty good star in the regular season. You know, he's maybe a, he's a fringe all-star, maybe a, a solid all-star player. He's like Chris Middleton, essentially in the regular season. And then the postseason comes around and Jimmy Butler becomes one of the five best players in basketball. And I have never seen a player do this before in my life where they are two completely different players, regular season to postseason. Now, Jimmy Butler, I'll say, is not consistent enough still to be like that that top 10 player in the league that you and I thought he was after that, that bubble run. But when the lights are brightest, when you need big games out of a star player jimmy butler gives that to you game six and seven he was massive i would argue best player on either team both in game six and seven and that's what you want like it, it when you're trying to build a team build a culture it, it's credit to the heat because you know we they talk so much about heat culture heat culture heat culture and jimmy butler fits that he is totally a heat culture guy and i gotta you know tip the cap he knocked out the sixers he played great against the celtics and if not for some injuries there in the middle of the series maybe this series goes a different way but i also before i kind of pass it back off to you i want to say the boston celtics they've really like they earned this spot in the NBA Finals. And I think people, myself included, because I, I will mention, they didn't beat a healthy Milwaukee team. And I think a healthy Milwaukee team beats them. But I don't think that diminishes the accomplishment at all because you can only play the teams that are put in front of you. And they knocked out the Brooklyn Nets, who a lot of people thought were going to go to the NBA Finals. You and I were not fooled by that, but a lot of people thought you know, get Kevin Durant, get Kyrie Irving out there. That's an NBA Finals team. They knocked out the best player in the NBA in Giannis. And then they went through a Miami Heat team who, despite all of their flaws, gave the Sixers a ton of trouble. They dispensed very quickly of the Atlanta Hawks who were in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. And they had just beaten this almost a very similar Celtics team two seasons ago to go to the NBA Finals. So credit where credit is due. They went through, they beat all these teams who have given them problems before and now find themselves in the NBA Finals, a spot that, if I'm being honest, I did not think they were going to get there. I, I kind of thought, despite how good they had played January on, that that was kind of a mirage and, and the best of the best would come through come playoff time. And I was wrong. They were clearly the best of the best in the Eastern Conference. You had this pegged from the start of the playoffs and credit where credit is due. I actually had Milwaukee coming out of the East at the start of the playoffs. I think a healthy Milwaukee team may get them. The Celtics dealing with their own injury problems. I mean, they played multiple games in that series without Rob Williams, without Marcus Smart. So they, they kind of proved the team aspect of it. And, and I'm going to steal an Eric Spolster quote after Game 7 where he said, the Celtics, if you're the NBA, are, are kind of the team where they build a, a championship-level team. And they, they didn't get a lot of free agent signings. Al Horford is was, was their biggest free agent signing. I don't think anyone would say that's a splashy signing. You have your top four players, Williams, Tatum, Brown, 
Smart are all drafted by the Celtics. And so it's kind of this 2015 Warriors is maybe the recent team I can compare them to. I think the Warriors obviously had a little bit more talent on that team, but you have your main guys that were all drafted by that team. And I think it's, it's refreshing. Obviously it's my, it's my team. So I'm happy to see them in the finals, but it's refreshing to see a team not have to go all out on free agents to kind of rely on guys going through the struggle, like Spolstra said, and losing in all those conference finals and finally breaking through and getting there. And you could see, how much it means to Tatum, how much it means to Smart to to finally get to that level. And they, yeah, I mean, you look, again, they were 23 and 24 in January. Nobody nobody really believed in them. I think people, once they beat Milwaukee, they were, they were the betting favorites in Vegas, so they had them figured out by then. I think Miami just, again, a little too, a little too young. I think it's Jimmy Butler and a lot of inconsistency on the other side. You saw Struess and them had great game sixes, but it kind of fell apart in game seven. That's kind of what it's been for Miami all playoffs, and it just kind of bit them in game seven. But again, yeah, I mean, the Celtics go through everybody. The social media team even dubbed it a revenge tour, so they went and they got the three teams to have beaten in the last three years. So, yeah, of course it's got to be a satisfying feeling. And now you get kind of what's been the team of the 2010s, and oh, yeah, they're back in the 2020s. You get kind of what's been the capital of basketball the last few years in the finals. A big credit to to the how do I just the front office for really the front office and Ime Yudoka for really maintaining the vision because when they were twenty five and twenty five in January I think it would have been very easy for Brad Stevens to be like you know what this isn't going to work it's time to break it up it's time to send you know one of Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown it would have been Jalen Brown to another team it's time to start fresh let's get somebody else in here let's get somebody who maybe pairs better. And it was good on the front office to hold firm and stick with those two players and that tandem, but also a lot of credit to Ime Udoka for getting those guys to buy in because the big problem, those first 50 or so games, oh, I guess it was 50 games of the year was they weren't really buying in to what Udoka wanted them to be doing. They were still very much playing a, an ISO centric, you know, Jason Tatum's going to do his thing. Okay, now it's Jalen Brown's turn. Let him do his thing. And weren't really buying in on the defensive end. They, they just, they weren't doing any of the things Udoka wanted, I think, wanted to be doing. And you saw the turnaround the second half of the year. They were the best defensive team in basketball by the end of the year in terms of defensive rating. Number two actually was the Golden State Warriors by like 0.2 points. So you have the two best defensive teams in basketball playing each other in the NBA Finals. And... It's just been it's been refreshing, kind of like you said, to see a team, to see so many teams in these playoffs with homegrown talent as opposed to star hunting. You know, it, it's the the teams who were in contention down the end were the Miami Heat, whose only big signing was Jimmy Butler. You had the Celtics, who basically, like you said, other than how Al Horford, all homegrown talent. Over on the other end, the, the Warriors are back to the same thing, homegrown talent. I would even consider Wiggins a homegrown talent at this point because he was never this anywhere else. And you, they were playing the Dallas Mavericks, who, same thing. It was all homegrown talent. So all four teams in the final, the conference finals, were homegrown talents. None of them had like a big, splashy free agent signing. And so, you know, big credit to the Celtics for holding firm on the vision. But I want to pose the question to you before we move off the Celtics and into the NBA Finals. This playoff run by Jason Tatum, 
do you think this elevates him into the the superstar conversation? Because because you and I had said pretty firmly, you know, if Luka makes the NBA Finals, he has an argument for best player in the league. I don't think Jason Tatum has an argument for best player in the league, but I don't think I saw in him the ability to carry or even be the leader on a championship team. And to me, he's the clear number one option on this champ- on this potential championship team. Well, he's done it twice now in these playoffs, right? Where he's gone, to, to me, what's the most impressive thing in any NBA playoff game, which is going on the road in an elimination game and, and keeping your team season alive. He did it in game six against Milwaukee. He did it in game seven against Miami. So he's putting these, these performances together. Game six was an all-time performance in Milwaukee, the 46 points that he had. He wasn't quite that level in Miami in game seven, but he got a little bit more help from the rest of his teammates. I think you look at if he can lead what what most people say is probably a little bit inferior Celtics team to a championship over the Warriors, then yeah, that'll cement. So I think the jury's still out a little bit on it, but you have to win a championship. We saw what it did for Giannis's legacy and kind of if they had not won that championship last year, we'd still be having the conversations of, oh, he's not a closer, he can't finish it, but he goes out and he drops 50 points in a game six to clinch and you kind of go, oh yeah, Giannis is really good and we kind of just needed to see it one time in the finals to, to make that happen. I think Tatum is on a little bit of a similar path here where if they get the job done against the Warriors, it'll be not quite a coronation, but I think top five people will suddenly be kind of, yeah, he's probably a top five player if they get the championship. I, I, I mean, would say ser- that. Serious I would question, because you said top five. Like, like who, who are you taking out? Who am I taking out? To be a top five player in the league, you have to take somebody out. To me, the top five players in the league are uh, Giannis, Embiid, Jokic, Doncic, and Steph. Who are you taking out? Out of those five, probably... That's tough. I mean, Jokic is back-to-back MVP. Steph is Steph. I thought you were going to say LeBron. I really did. My, my answer was going to be LeBron James, but you didn't pick him in the top five. So this this complicates the argument. Maybe Steph. If he beats Steph in the finals, maybe Steph. But you, you see my point, right? It's not so cookie cutter, like definitely top five, because the top, like to me, he's probably top eight right now, like even without a title. And so it's, I don't know how much higher he can go, even if they win the championship, but let's just, let's just go on then to, how, the how do you NBA break finals. into it? They're I guess like the you, you just can't, you, you can't break into the top five, I guess is your point. No, you totally can. I just don't think I, I, it's a combination of things, right? It's not just, did he win a championship and was he the best player on a championship team? Because it's also, it's what we talked about. It's a little bit of the, the that boy nice thing. The When you watch him play, does he look like a top five player in the league? Does he look like a top three player in the league? And I don't think watching Jason Tatum, I go, he is definitely better than any of the five guys I've listed already. And you mentioned LeBron. I think there's even an argument there where you could make the argument, I watched LeBron James and he's a better basketball player still than Jason Tatum is. The results on the court don't bear that out, which is why you have to take both things into consideration. But, you know, it, it 
I think when it when when the it comes down to who would I put in my top five, I don't watch Jason Tatum and say he's a top five player in the league. I think Jason Tatum's a really good basketball player, maybe even a great basketball. Actually, he's probably a great basketball player, but he's just not for me in that that conversation of best player in the league. The, the same way, at least four of the guys I named are, I'd say Step is probably in that conversation as well. See what he does in the finals. We shall see what he does in the finals against the aforementioned Golden State Warriors. Their sixth appearance in the last eight years. So of the last eight NBA finals, they've been in six of them. Just an absurd run. It's one of the best runs we've seen in NBA history. It's right up there with the uh, the 90s Bulls and you know going to six. I think it's the same thing. Six NBA finals in eight years. Difference was the uh, Bulls won six NBA championships. So, you know, a little, a little bit different to compare the two. Uh, I would say this, you know, right up there though, with Showtime Lakers, 80 Celtics, the Spurs and the two that that's to me, the best comparison of this Warriors team. They're the Spurs of the two thousands. They have a system. They play the system. Well, they have an unselfish superstar in Steph Curry. I heard a friend recently, Caleb, who's been on the podcast gave the direct comparison Duncan to Steph Curry and how they're very similar type players and Steph is kind of Duncan 2.0. Tom, let, let, let's, I mean, your thoughts on the Warriors, you know, back here again, six times in eight years. Your internet went out again, didn't it? You gotta be kidding me. All right, Tom, after your internet, uh, you know, pooped out on us once again, we are going to shorten this episode up this week and only talk about the NBA Finals. Tom, we're talking about the Golden State Warriors. I gave the whole eulogy, or eulogy? That's when someone dies. I gave the whole spiel about how, yeah, whatever, you know, six and eight, you know, they're so great. They're one of the best dynasties. Tim Duncan, Steph Curry, they're very similar. Tom, just just talk about the Warriors, whatever you got to say, go. Tim Duncan, Steph Curry, very similar is a great sentence to say because I see where you're coming and they also could not be any further different as players. But yeah, it, it's unbelievable. <laughs> Obviously, they have a couple uh, couple Kevin Durant rings in there. Um, but yeah, three championships in the last seven years, chance to make it four and eight. Obviously, the six finals appearances. It, it's kind of... It's an interesting matchup, right? Where you have the new kids on the block with the Celtics against the team that, that, you know, injuries really kept them out of where they wanted to be the past few years. And I think it's just, we've said it all year, we kind of we kind of forgot how good the Warriors were. And now it's their back and, and everyone's kind of like, oh yeah, they still have Steph, who's a great shooter. They still have elite defenders. Draymond is still incredible. Clay still does his. And Andrew Wiggins, yeah, you mentioned has been a great piece. Jordan Poole's been a great piece. It's just... Everything is clicking for the Warriors, and they really have, have been cruising through these playoffs. They they dispatched the Nuggets in five, who had the MVP. They they handled the Grizzlies in six. I would say there are a couple rocky moments in that series, but they're able to win that one. So they haven't faced elimination yet, I guess is my point. And, and obviously they dispatched the Mavericks in five, but it just seems like it's been really comfortable and kind of back to the old Warriors, and they're going to be really tough to beat. Well, it's it's odd, right, for the Warriors because they have played. I, I saw someone say this today. I think it was someone for the Athletic wrote this that they have played better offenses than the Celtics, 
but this is the best defense they're going to have faced the entire postseason. And it's going to be interesting watching kind of the chess match between Yudoka and Steve Kerr to kind of see what each of them do to try and either create offense for their guys or neutralize the other team's offense. Because both these coaches clearly are very good defensive head coaches. Both of these teams have guys on offense who can kind of go off at any moment with Steph and Jason Tatum on both sides. I say the big difference between the two teams, and we've kind of mentioned this just by mentioning the numbers, but one of these teams has a world of finals experience, knows what it takes to win an NBA championship, and one team is kind of learning on the fly. Yes, they know how to win because they had been to multiple conference finals, you know, chances to make the finals. They've never been on this stage, though, and I think it's different, and you could kind of see it a little bit in the Eastern Conference Finals. It seemed like when they had big leads or as the moments got bigger, they kind of got a little bit tight. And that's why like game seven was a lot closer than it needed to be. They were a little tight at the end of that game. And it, it kind of took it realistically, it took Jimmy Butler missing that shot at the end for them to even be in in the NBA finals. They had a big first quarter and they were kind of tight the whole rest of that game, trying to maintain that lead where we know the Warriors aren't going to be tight. We know Steph Curry's not going to be tight. Steph Curry has heard it all at this point about how, you know, I mean, for me specifically, got locked up by Kevin Love in the 2016 NBA finals. Like that cannot happen to him once again. And it hasn't happened to him since. And it's one of those things where it's like you mentioned, old, it's the old guys versus the young guys. Who's going to come out on top? And, you know, the, the Warriors, you, you said you said something there that, real quick, I'm kind of all over the place right now. I can't really, like, keep any thoughts straight because of how this recording has gone. But you mentioned something there about the we not knowing what the Warriors were going to be. And I just looked back at my notes from our 2021-22 NBA season preview, and I had them as the most interesting team in the league for this exact reason. We didn't know when Clay was going to get come back. We didn't know what kind of performance we were going to get from Steph Curry after an MVP-like performance last season. Draymond was starting to look like he was on the back nine of his career. Andrew Wiggins was a huge question mark. We didn't know Jordan Poole was going to be this. And now out of nowhere, like all the things we mentioned, Jordan Poole is maybe the best bench player in basketball. Draymond Green is back to defensive player of the year, Draymond. Klay Thompson looks like his old self. He's given you multiple great game sixes. Game five, this last series was the game where he kind of went off. And like you said, out of nowhere, they look like the Golden State Warriors that they look like when they were making all those NBA finals runs. Minus Kevin Durant, insert Andrew Wiggins. There's there's a few red flags when I think about the Celtics' chances of winning this series. You 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 really hit on one of them, which was the the inability to finish or not inability to finish, but you know, kind of letting games slip away. Maybe that obviously they still win the game against Miami, but Game Five against Milwaukee comes to mind, where the Bucks were just hitting shots in the fourth quarter. The Celtics blow a 14 point lead in the fourth, they end up losing that game. Golden State is a team that goes on runs all the time. And the Celtics are a team that is incredibly susceptible to runs. We saw it all the time in the Miami series. They had bad quarters that cost them in the first two games they lost, games one and three. They, they fell victim to two bad quarters. And 
that's kind of been the MO for a while, and, and, and they've been able to be consistent enough defensively to to kind of overcome that, and I don't know if they're going to be able to do that against Golden State because they haven't gone up against a team that can shoot the ball like the Warriors, and they don't have bad games very often. Steph and Clay are, are, are going to get theirs. I think it's going to be a really big struggle on the perimeter for the Celtics. Tatum and Brown are, are good defenders. Smart's a good defender, but it feels to me like the Warriors are going to expose them a little bit on the perimeter, whereas the Celtics kind of drive inside a little bit more and, and, and maybe take tough layups where Draymond Green is going to have a lot more impact on this game than, say, somebody on the Celtics could win those guys like Tatum and Brown try to get into the perimeter. Draymond, great at taking charges as well, which Brown gets called for charges all the time. Brown turns the ball over all the time. Those are big, big red flags when I talk about the Celtics. And are you going to score enough in the big moments, I think, is, is what it comes down to. And, and it's hard to see that coming to fruition if I'm the Celtics to win four times out of seven. I think it's an uphill battle, but you know they've they've proven people wrong before so far, and you know it certainly wouldn't be the first time a favored Warriors team goes down in the finals. Listen, I I feel like we've kind of hit everything we're going to hit on the NBA Finals. I kind of want to get our predictions before we do. I guess I'll rope this into my prediction, and then you can go second because I think we all know who you're going to pick. Let, let's just be honest for a second. The I think where this series is going to be won, we've already mentioned it, crunch time, holding leads. I just trust the Warriors to hold a lead exponentially more than I trust this Celtics team to hold a lead. But on top of that, I think the Warriors, they've done this to a lot of teams when they've won championships, and it's mostly because of what Draymond Green can do on defense. Because Draymond Green can guard one through five, it allows you to run a lineup out there with Jordan Poole as your fifth player and I think when they run that lineup out there against the Celtics it is matchup nightmares for the Boston Celtics because who is Al Horford guarding and who is either Robert Williams or Grant Williams guarding you're gonna have to probably play a lot more of Derek White than you want to in this series and I think that's a major problem if you're the Boston Celtics. He played 18 minutes in Game 7, and it's because he just hasn't been good enough since he got there. He's He's been an okay basketball player, but he just hasn't been good enough to be that, you know, that fifth guy or maybe that sixth guy off the bench. And so I think when push comes to shove, the Warriors have the experience. The Warriors have the best player, in my opinion, in this series. I think defense is kind of a wash when you really look at it. I think both these defenses are fantastic. And so it's really, who do I trust more, if I'm being honest? And I just trust the Golden State Warriors a little bit more than I trust the Boston Celtics. I think it ends up going six. I'd be shocked if it ends any quicker than six games because I think these teams are fairly evenly matched. And I'm really only picking the Warriors because of the veteran presence. So give me the Golden State Warriors in six and they are the betting favorites. I think it's minus like 155, 165. They win the series. They're also favored in game one at home. They have home court advantage. So the, if this goes seven, I would lean even harder on the Golden State Warriors. But I think it ends in six. Give me the Warriors. They win their fourth title. And I think Steph finally gets his finals MVP. I got to start with kind of what you finished in, in the aspect of it being a seven game series. It, it, it feels like the Boston team isn't quite there to, to get a game seven at, I was about to say Oracle, at the Chase Center, I guess, which, you know, I'm going to still call it Oracle. At Oracle, it's still Oracle. Yuck. Game, but they, 
I can't let Derek White but die by the sword. He was great in Game 6. His disease this postseason is he's been great in all of the games they lose. So he had 22 points in Game 6, and he just isn't the guy. I, I, the point is you need more than Derek White to win games, which is kind of what you were hitting at. But I, I, I think you're, you'd be hard-pressed to really get a lot of minutes with Horford and Williams together. I think that's going to be interesting. That Derek White, I think, will play a lot. Grant Williams is the wild card. If he's not giving you much offensively, I, I don't think he can quite lock up defensively. The Warriors guys are too quick on the perimeter. I, I worry about Grant Williams' quickness. I think he's a better defender on downhill scores than he is against guys like Steph and Clay that just cut a lot and you know take their threes and, and, and use the screens as well as they do. I think that's going to be a struggle for him. But Marcus Smart, I think, has been kind of underwhelming in this playoffs. A team like the Warriors plays more to Marcus Smart's strengths defensively with that lateral quickness. So I think that that's a little bit of a plus if you're the Celtics. But the other note is if there's a team that's had the Warriors figured out, it is the Celtics. They are the only team in the NBA that has a winning record against the Steph Clay Draymond Warriors in that entire era. So they've been able to figure something out. Obviously they've never met in the postseason, but they you know, memorably, they ended the Warriors, whatever, 37-0 and home start in 2016. They got a win at Oracle that year. Um, and, and they've had some good performances against the Warriors. It just feels like, I think this is a seven-game series, and I, I, I don't think the Celtics have the bodies, have the experience, have the, the veteran leadership necessary to win a championship on the road in Game 7. Al Horford is your vet. This is his first finals appearance in 15 seasons in his career, so... I think they're not quite there, and I think this isn't... I think it's going to be a great series, but winning an Oracle is not in the cards for this team. And I, they're not good enough to beat the Warriors four out of six, so I'm going to go Warriors in seven. Wow, I, I thought you were going to go the Celtics. I really did. I thought you were going to live and die by your squad, so I, I respect the fact that... that I think you're trying to do like a little jinx here, like like you're trying well, to emotional pick hedge. The absolutely, it's and absolutely like an emotional hedge. I respect it. There, no shade for me on the emotional hedge. That that is a heady play. It's what I should have done with the Sixers because it would have been a much. I think I did. I picked the Bucks, so I guess my emotional hedge was bad too. I just, I have, I've had a horrible the team these entire playoffs. I have gotten. I've picked the wrong team at every turn. Mavericks, wrong team. Sixers, wrong team. I was riding the Heat in the conference finals, wrong team. I am just, I am on a historically bad pick streak. My takes are still 100% fantastic, but the picks, awful. This is the worst I've ever done picking the NBA playoffs. And maybe it's because there's not like that clear superstar right now. Like, I'm so used to it being, all right, pencil LeBron and who's LeBron playing? And then I just ride from there. I just ride with LeBron and it's easy. But now now that there's not that, it's it's much more difficult to pick who's going to win the NBA playoffs. But I think Steph Curry finally finally gets his finals MVP this year. You got Steph. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to agree with you. I think if the Warriors win, it's hard-pressed to see anybody else on that team getting it instead. So I'm with you. Steph wins finals MVP. They win in seven. For my, for my sake, I hope the, the ill predictions continue. I hope you are once again wrong. And even if the Celtics get swept, hell of a season. I don't know why I'm eulogizing them right now because the finals aren't going to be over by the next time we record anyway. So we'll still have a chance to eulogize them then if things have gone south. But uh, 
Even if they haven't, they're only playing the first two games in between records. So we got time. Those first two were in Golden State. I can easily write those off as, oh, they weren't going to win on the road anyway. So I'll be in good shape next week. Yeah, I was going to say, no matter what, you'll be fine next week. It, it's only the first two games. It, even if it if it's 1-1, or let, let me play out the scenarios for you. If it's 2-0 Warriors, what we're going to say next week, and this is basically spoiling next week's episode, but what we're going to say is, oh, those games were in Oakland. They weren't supposed to win those games. That's how it's supposed to go. If the Celtics steal one, we're going to be doing the, wow, Celtics are in great shape right now. All they got to do is win their home games, and boom, they're going to win the NBA Finals. If they win both games, we're going to be coronating the Boston Celtics next week on this podcast. That's exactly how this is all going to go. Oh, if they win both games at Oracle, uh, uh, I might get a tattoo of the Celtics. I might get a championship you gotta tattoo. You got to stop calling it Oracle. Those. No, I'm not going to stop calling it Oracle. I'm going to keep calling it Oracle. It's like the San Diego Chargers. <laughs> Call it Oakland. Like they, it's not in Oakland. Oh, they don't even play in Oakland. I said Oakland. They play in, in San, San Francisco. Francisco. <laughs> Get out of here! Oh man this this is how poor this is how poorly this whole episode has gone. Is I don't I don't even know where they play anymore. And I knew they played in San Francisco. All I know is that Charles Barkley said it's a dirty city. That's all I need to know. I mean, the finals cannot be less of a train wreck than this episode, so let's just hope for some good basketball because the conference finals, let's face it, there were a lot of bad games. It sucks, right? The whole playoffs were so good, and the conference finals were all around, and it was terrible. Just no good game anywhere to be found after having two fantastic fantastic rounds leading up to that. So, yeah, we have to hope and pray that these finals are six or seven games and it's six or seven exciting games because i think the thing people forget right the 2016 finals horrible series it's just game seven was amazing and so that's what we remember the storylines of the series were fantastic because it's the warriors were talking crap they were up 3-1 lebron started mean mugging people he got draymond kicked out of but the games were terrible they were all like 15 20 point blowouts one way or the other and then game seven rolls around it's one of the greatest games in nba history and so we remember it as wow what a series no the series was awful and so I don't want that. I want six or seven really great basketball games. But if it ends up being we get one great game and the rest is trash, I guess I'll live with it because we've done it plenty of times before. You got to hope it's game seven, right? Like if, if game two is the good game and all the other ones are bad, like eh, bad series. You got to hope it's you got to hope it's the final game, right? Yeah, you got to it's got to be the game we remember. It's like got to be that because again, another recent example what was it, the 2018 finals was a sweep by the Warriors, but game one was that LeBron, Herculean effort, J.R. Smith, you know, forgets how much, you know, forgets what the score is, and we go to overtime, LeBron allegedly breaks his hand, punching a clipboard in the, or punching a whiteboard in the locker room after the game, and still goes on to average like 40 a game in the in the series, but yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's like, that first game was awesome, but it was a sweep, so no one cares. No one remembers it at all. I'm trying to think the worst game to have be good, I think, is probably game three. If the visitors like if the visitors are up 2-0 and they win game three, but it's a good game. Cause one and two, like the home team still kinda has the lower seed still kinda has game three to, to bank on like, oh, they're going home. You know, the series shifts 
it always feels a little bit like the losing team has a little bit of fight left in them. But once that 3-0 comes around, This is a great take because wasn't game three in 2017 the one where Kevin Durant hit the game winner like over LeBron? And we have never talked about game three, 2017. They won game four. Cleveland blew them out in game four. This is the first time. And it stunk. Cleveland blew them out in game four, and it was a terrible series. Yeah. Yep, yeah. So that that was a very good take for you. But Tom, between the delay and the Wi-Fi crashing, we, we got to end this before it goes bad again. So for everyone who was hoping for more, I will tell you, we wanted to talk about Sergio Perez winning the Monaco Grand Prix. We, of course, had lots of takes around that. Maybe we'll have an opportunity to give them next week, considering they don't race next week. They race in two weeks. And we were going to talk about Tommy Pham slapping the ever-living crap out of Jock Peterson. What a fantastic moment for Twitter and the world as a whole. If you haven't seen it, I'll try and find the video and link it in the show notes of this episode. But Tom, that brings us to the end of another edition of There's a Lot Going On. Weird episode. It's going to sound weird for people who are listening. It's going to look even weirder for people who are watching it because you will see the frustration on my face when Tom's internet craps out right around uh 18 minutes into this episode but tom do you have any final thoughts before we we mercifully put this one to bed warriors and seven celtics is just not enough man warriors and seven hey uh warriors and six normally i do a whole spiel about give us a five-star rating you know whatever like subscribe that whole thing yeah we didn't we didn't earn that one this time we, we didn't earn that one so for tom shively i'm david royal catch you back here next week for hopefully a more well-earned edition of there's a lot going on